Here's what's coming up on today's show. We'll get back to a trajectory that feels like we're making progress. But we have to, unfortunately, deal with this pain right now to get us to that point where we can actually feel like we're on the right track. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. It's another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt here with Scott Dugan, co-founder, managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group, serving you in the KC metro area, but with clients, of course, all across the country as well. We're always online at listentoscott.com or on your favorite podcasting app. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about seller's remorse. Do you feel better when you sell that stock and then regret it later on? Well, that's a symptom of seller's remorse. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, both in the you know smaller picture in that way and also in the bigger picture as well. Scott, looking forward to discussing this with you because you love talking about the behavioral side of finances and investing. And, and this seems right up your alley. I do. I thoroughly enjoy it. And, you know, this kind of started, you know, because obviously we're having conversations with our clients right now. Uh, we just had a wonderful client event, our fall festival. And, you know, I, I usually don't talk a lot about business at, at these functions. They're, they're totally fun, fundraising, um, entertainment. But I think, you know what, I'm going to spend 10 minutes just talking about what's going on because it's on the top of everyone's mind. And when you're retired, there can be a level of anxiety that creeps in uh, when there just seems like uncertainty everywhere. And if you think what we've been through in a very short period of time, you know, looking at 2020, where the entire global economy got shut down. And quickly after that being you know, instituted, uh, the federal government and central banks started the printing presses up. Uh, which they don't really have to print much anymore. It's just keystrokes. But they started flooding the markets with money. And through stimulus checks to businesses, to individuals, you name it. Well, that got things heated up. And when we went into the pandemic, for example, building suppliers, you know, make lumber, all those things. Are, oh, my gosh, we're going to shut down the economy we don't need we need to stop producing because no one absolutely no one is going to be buying these products and, and doing projects during a pandemic well they were wrong uh, they were one of the incredibly largest, wrong <laughs> yeah one of the largest expansions of home purchasing uh, people were at home and like yeah now that we're I don't like my home anymore <laughs> I don't spend a third of my work week yep. outside of my home. I really want to fix that deck. I cannot believe we still have those curtains. Dusty Rose, whoever thought that was a good idea. You know, it's just, so we were there and it really spurred people to say, I want to improve my home because we're going to probably spend more time here. And I actually like spending more time here. So there's an example of a giant surge in demand and supply was limited. And what happened to pricing? It went through the roof. I mean, it would just the prices of things and just the shortages and supply chain issues. You know, we're still working through some of those here in October of 2022. Uh, we still don't have enough microchips uh, to for vehicles right now. Uh, here in Kansas City, if you go down south, and at one time they were Ford was running giant parking lots to store Ford F-150s that didn't have chips. 
You know, so that that's an, an issue. And so the markets heated up, you know, they the money flowed, you know, the spending was unfettered. And the Fed goes, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, if we don't start to manage this, we're probably going to see inflationary pressure. And if you've listened for a while or you've been in our review meetings the past several weeks, you know, I've talked about, you know, I think the Fed came to the party a little late. And they're trying to raise in, they are raising interest rates and trying to control uh, the, the runaway expansion um, and trying to bring things back down to more of a normal level. Because what happened when you print that much money, inflationary pressures kick in and it's just out of whack. So now that we've got interest rates that are higher than they've been in quite a while, um, but I also want to put that in context. People looking at, hey, oh my gosh, six six point nine two on a thirty year mortgage, that's crazy. I, it was you know two seven five sixteen months ago. Well, that's true, um, but if you look at the historical averages of interest rates, five percent's about the average over the last four hundred years. That's a more normal interest rate, whether it's a mortgage or you know savings at a bank, you know that's paying that, and so we are normalizing that. At the same time, it seems like chaos everywhere, you know, geopolitically, markets, economically. You know, companies are still sitting there with pretty strong balance sheets for the most part, uh, quite a bit of cash, uh, depending on the sector. And they've got good outlooks once things recalibrate and get back to, quote, normal. And I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, normal. Uh, not going to be overnight, but let's. we know that's going to revert back. And at some point, we'll get a recovery, things will slowly grow. And we'll get back to a trajectory that feels like we're making progress. But we have to unfortunately deal with this pain right now to get us to that point where we can actually feel like we're on the right track. It's a lot to absorb because, uh, again, it goes back to all that news that we're getting bombarded with and trying to understand what's our perspective in all of this, right? Like what's what's high in, to me, what's high in terms of historical. Um, we were just having that same discussion about interest rates with uh, my grandparents and my parents, and all of us had different perspectives on things. My grandparents haven't had a mortgage in probably 30 plus years at this point because the last home that they bought was with cash. And so they haven't even been in that game for so long. Long. And my parents were talking about how they have had a mortgage their whole lives. Um, they have a bunch of cash sitting on the sidelines right now because they want to buy their final home when they retire next year with cash. Dad wants a little mortgage so they can get a little more house. Mom's like, no, I don't want any mortgage whatsoever, <laughs> especially now that interest rates are you know seven or whatever instead of the three that they were a couple of months ago. She's like, now I'm even more staunch and not wanting a mortgage. So they were all talking about this. And it was just so funny because my grandparents were like, well, seven's not that bad because all they ever knew was eight to 12. Meanwhile, the two houses I've bought were at, I think the first one was at four percent and then three percent then i refinanced the two and a half on the last house and i'm like yeah i'll, I'll never buy a house again now that it's at seven <laughs> like this is ridiculous i'll you know i've already i've bought my last house at this point i can't ever convince myself to pay that much interest and so just all of our perspectives were so totally different and then you throw in the historical perspective and it's just really interesting to see that depending on where you've been and what your angle is how the news and how all these different things strike you Oh, definitely. And it is about perspective. And I'm fortunate that we have more mature clients that live through, you know, the seventies 
and experience those double digit mortgage rates. And so it was, wasn't great if you were a, a borrower. Um, it was really good if you were a saver, you know, cause if you could lock in a, you know, 14% CD, you know, with a bank, you know, th- those were the heyday. And that's why you saw people that say, it's like oh, unbelievable. You know, they didn't have a high paying jobs. They were just good savers. And oh my gosh, I just had a client said it would be his aunt, uh, passed away, no kids, 11 cousins. And she had had a very minimal job, uh, but lived below her means. And you know, she passed away with $2 million in CDs, uh, fixed annuities, cash. And they're like, how did this happen? I said, well, part of it is she was saving at a time in her peak years with crazy interest rates. You know, so it was much easier to do at that point. Getting to this, you know, where we are today and, and talking about risk, uh, because risk is a paradox. It's highest when we forget it exists and it is lowest when it, it's all we think about. And when everything feels happy and good and you just know that you're the next, you know, Warren Buffett, because all of your stock picks are home runs, risk is high. When you and all your friends are getting rich overnight, while veterans of, you know, stock market, you know, for 30 years and the markets are urging caution, risk is high. So when you think about it, where we are today, and again, this is an opinion of one of the author I read through an article is called Rethinking Risk by Jack Raines. He basically is saying is that right now, that the risk is lower to invest at this point than it was a year, year and a half ago. And so because we're, we may be, you know, we're obviously going to have a recovery at some point. Um, we just don't know when. And, you know, it reminds me of in this article, he, I love the show, the office and, you know, office that Andy Bernard once said, I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days before you actually left them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> quote. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're, we're looking at now. It's like, wow, you know, 20, 20, the latter part of 2020 into 2021, you know, those, those seem like good days. And now we're in this recalibration of everything and it's just, it's, it's not fun. It's not comfortable, but at some point things will turn and we'll look back and go, okay, yeah, that was bad. We got out of it. And when you said having historical context, you know, I started my career in June of 2001 and we all know what happened in September of 2001. So I've been through the 0102, 0809, minor hiccups in 13, 18, 2020, now 2022. I can tell you all of those situations, what set them off was a different catalyst, but the emotions and the feelings that people had are similar. Meaning we're never, things are never going to be as good as they were. And this is going to keep persisting this time. It's different. Are we ever going to be able to get out of this? And I've had those same conversations for over two, almost two and a half decades when things are bad and it's having the discipline to focus on the plan, control what you control and focus on those things and focus on what's important to get you through to the time where it turns around and things seem a lot rosier. And then you start to forget about, Oh, things can go South. And I think 20, 2008 to 2020, we had some minor blips, but 
really people forgot about risk, you know, market risk. Uh, 2020 hit, but the markets were back in four and a half months because the the central banks printed money. Now they're raising interest rates. There's not a lot of external stimulus going in. We're trying to get back to more of a normal, solid foundation so we can build from there. And so, again, it's it may seem like it's far too risky to invest right now, or at least that's what it feels like. But I think the opposite is true. There's some bargains out there. Does that mean it's not going to potentially go lower or volatile sideways? It could be. Uh, but I, I have faith that overall, in the long run, you know, things will continue to marching upward and onward. We just have to get through this uncomfortable portion right now. I think it's just like uh, you talked about how the the stock market volatility was something we almost fell asleep on a little bit just because it, things weren't volatile for such a long period of time. Just like inflation, right? There were years and years where nobody was talking about inflation. Well, you were talking about it, Scott. You knew one day we'd, we'd come yeah. back to that time. But it was something that we sort of fell asleep on. Like, it almost was like, why are we talking about inflation sometimes? Like, I think I even sat here a few times. Scott was like, man, we haven't had inflation in a long time. Why are we talking about this? But you knew, my friend. You knew <laughs> to be ready for it one of these days. Well, yeah, that's how you've got you to be prepared for those things that happen. And... You know, if you think about where we are today compared to, you know, we were really on this long, you know, bull market run and, you know, interest rates are now return, returning to their historical ranges, which is good. Uh, S&P earnings are back at a healthy level, which is good. Uh, excess liquidity is exiting the system and it's very difficult to make easy money playing hot potato with a worthless asset, you know, like a NFT, these digital I mean, people are making thousands and hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars, you know, on digital pictures, you know, and you know, we've got groups that are rigging GameStop stock and making millions of dollars because they're manipulating things and punishing, you know, hedge funds and, and short sellers, you know? So again, it's, we're getting back to a more normal range uh, it's just taking some uncomfortable steps to get there. And I think it's something that you can relate to and I can relate to now. You know, I, through my nutritional habits and my exercise habits, are trying to get back to a better range <laughs> of, of fitness and health. And I can tell you, it's not easy. It's not always comfortable, but it's worthwhile and I'm sticking with my discipline and the systems and strategies and ultimately the plan that's been put together for me, I'm following that plan and I'm controlling the things I can control, which are, do I keep track of what I eat every day in my fitness pal? Answer is yes. Uh, since June 8th, I have tracked everything that I've eaten or drank with calories in it since June 8th. Right? I've weighed myself every day. I work out certain times during the week, religiously, no matter if it's hot, cold, light, dark, you know, I, I'm still doing that. I keep track of my hydration. I make sure I stay hydrated. I try to get ample amounts of sleep. I track my steps. And again, that takes time. And in the beginning, it was very uncomfortable. I didn't, it's like, oh, I've got all these new things I have to do. Why? Well, it's because I needed to raise my awareness. I needed to have a plan and strategy. So when life happens, 
I knew I had a, a plan in place. So example, if I want to stick to my nutritional goals, if I'm going to go to an event, I probably should make sure that I've had some snacks prior to going to, you know, some event where there's all kinds of food available. And again, it's not fun. Would I rather have spicy fried chicken bites when I go to the, to an event? Yeah, that would be great, you know, but I ate some chicken breast and some rice and maybe drank a protein shake before I went out. So I wasn't a ravenous person when I got there. So again, that whole journey of talking about having a plan and staying disciplined, it's the same with your financial plan. It's the same where I've worked with a trainer to keep me on track, worked with a nutritional coach to get my head right and, and to make sure we're, we're taking the right you know, nutrients into my body. Those are all things that were uncomfortable. Uh, there's ebb and flows. There's been weeks that it's been, oh, this is so easy. And then there's weeks like this is awful. I can't, I can't see myself doing this. But I continue to show up, continue to do the work. And it's the same way with the plan and working with your financial planner is that they want to keep you on track. They want to keep delivering the income that you need to live your lifestyle. We're still minimizing taxes and taking advantage of the things that are presented to us. Those are the things we want to focus on. Those are the things we want to keep track of and not get lulled in this idea that things are always going to be this bad. It's never going to get better. This time it's different and have a pessimistic outlook. You know, we can be a realist and understand that, hey, it's it's not great. It's not comfortable, but eventually it will get better. And we want to make sure we've got that focus on the future because that helps us get through the tougher days that sometimes we experience. It is uh, tough sometimes to keep all of that in perspective on your own, and that's why it's so helpful to have a guide or somebody to lean on, an expert to turn to who's been through these things before, who has worked with lots of clients who have been through these things before. That's where Scott Dugan and the team at Elevated Retirement Group come into the equation. If you need help navigating anything that we've talked about today, don't hesitate to reach out. 913-393-4724 is the number. Or go to listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. Or just check the description of today's show for all of your show notes and information about getting in touch with Scott and uh, find more episodes. All that good stuff is there for you. Scott, appreciate the help today and uh, seller's remorse. We want to avoid it. We want to make sure that people aren't experiencing that. And uh, we appreciate you focusing on the topic. Sounds great. Look forward to the next episode. Yep. We'll have another good one for you in a couple of weeks, folks. Come back and join us on Your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.